Hey friends, welcome to another episode in Season 3 of the Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I speak with folks that are having a great impact on what we call the future of work. But beyond just the enablers and vendors who are transforming this space, I will also be including intimate conversations with people who are navigating their own future of work. They have successfully transitioned and pivoted to new careers and I hope to distill their ups and downs in their unstructured journey so the rest of us can learn from their best practices. My guest today is Sanjeev Magotra. He's a digital AI and cloud technologist with over 27 years of leadership experience with companies like Accenture and IBM. Over his career, he has left diverse teams and managed regional technology businesses. His passion for how digital technology can be used for social well-being has driven his journey and helped bring joy to life. Hi Sanjeev, welcome onto the show. Hi Adrian, thanks for having me on your show. Today we'll be talking about mental well-being. Now before we jump into the company that you have founded, Joy, and also the kind of things that you are doing right now. On a personal basis, 0 to 10, 10 being the most ideal mental state. Where are you right now on a personal basis? I am on 8, and it's amazing that you asked me this question. And I'm sure we'll get to talk a bit more about it. One of the things uh, which we are doing is creating a weighing scale of mental well-being. And we call it the Joy Level, and it's exactly on a scale of 10. That is awesome. And I want to stress to the audience, this is not scripted. It's entirely coincidental, but it's interesting <laughs> for us to come across this common topic. But of course, the, the mental well-being is really something of a huge concern right now to a lot of people out there because companies as well as individuals has realized it does have a significant impact on productivity. And it's also much more critical as Gen Z, millennials, they are actually much more prone to stress and anxiety and uh, are fast becoming the majority of the workplace. It's also not helped by the fact that COVID is really making things very tough for people. I, I personally see it from a perspective whereby in the workplace last time when it's before COVID, if anything bad happened, you can go to the pantry to talk about it. You can go to happy hour after work to bitch about it. And then next day, it's back to normal. What is the current state of mental well-being? What are some of the trends, the mega trends that you've been seeing? I think on a mega trends, we all know by now from the social media and from the papers, we all understand that everybody is talking about mental health. And I think the silver, one of the silver linings of the pandemic, if there is any, is that it has made us recognize that how vulnerable we are. I think three years ago, we all thought we are on top of the world. We are in charge of everything. But I think the pandemic has made us realize that this is an expression of that expression of the state of mind. And it accentuates that managing ourselves in during the highs and lows of life, be it over a long period of life or be it during the day, is very essential. And I think the word for that is mental health, mental well-being, which was a taboo word many years ago. But I guess today we all talk about mental health as we talk about physical health. So I think that's a big change and surely a very positive change which we as a society have. And more so from an enterprise point of view. I think within enterprises, this was a much bigger taboo because it relates to your performance, your pay, your perception of whether you're strong enough to work in a corporate environment or not, etc. So these were very, very strong correlations to uh, mental health. I think all those have weakened because the fact of the matter is that all of us need to take care of our mental health. And we do have mental health say, issues or challenges 
all of us have it. Some at a different scale, if it is left unattended. Others, most of us on a day-to-day basis, basis, you know. The anger, the poor decision-making in between uh, stresses of the day-to-day work life and many other things. All those are, you know, symptoms of early mental health topics which need to be prevented at the right time. And as you rightly pointed out, you know, it has productivity, a very strong productivity correlation. And enterprises are realizing that they are putting their money where their mouth is. They are starting to invest in this. This is a second fundamental big mega change. I think these are the two big changes. Before we deep dive into this area, maybe I can take a step back to understand more about your personal encounter when it comes to mental well-being. Prior to the creation of Joy, you have been with companies like Accenture, IBM for over 27 years. And looking at the roles that you were in, I would imagine they must be extremely stressful and took out a lot of your time. But how did this whole encounter or interaction or interest in mental well-being come about? And how that, how did that lead you to the creation of joy? It's a great question. In my personal journey over the years and then being a business leader, being a parent, you know, so I have got a 360 view of all those things we go through, you know, which go through our mind, the stresses, the anxieties, the ambitions, the failures, the successes, the loves, the hatreds, and all those kind of emotions and situations. And I have been fortunate that I have had great mentors. I have had some very fundamental philosophies, which my value system and my parents imbibed in me in terms of positive psychology, optimism, and many of those fundamental things, which have carried me through pretty well so far. As a business leader, I have seen similar challenges as I, as an individual in my earlier career, encountered. And when you coach people, when you talk to people, when I have been talking to my daughter, you know, in her, during her growing years, I realized that this is a need, a latent need in all of us. And there is so little which is available to address this. There are tons of books written. The internet is full of content. But the fundamental issue is that there is no digital mechanism of delivering this to the right person in the right place at the right time. And there is so much of innovation which has happened in the digital world. And me, I personally having worked with companies like Accenture, IBM, building building complex and valuable solutions for large enterprises. I've always thought that, you know, this piece also needs to be done better and can be done better because I saw all the possibilities. I understand technology pretty well. So that was the kind of the supply demand or the opportunity and the possibilities equation which I think is the seed of entrepreneurship, which kind of set its seed many years ago. And then I took the plunge once uh, there was uh, better clarity in my mind. So January of 2020, I committed full time to this. And it sounds rosy, but I guess the first MVP we did in March, April, we realized that there is lots more work which needs to be done. And so we had our lows in the very beginning itself because probably we were a bit more confident and we were following the trend. And then we took took some help from fundamental philosophies and design thinking methodologies and put ourselves onto the drawing board once again. And then it took us a couple of uh, more months to re re re-architect some of the experience parts of uh, delivering the value proposition, which I talked about, delivering the right care at the right time, is the core value proposition, which I think is required to bring mental well-being to everyone every day. 
And by end of 2020, the platform which we formally announced in the market is uh, pretty close to delivering the vision of uh, right care, right place. And you started in January 2020, just perhaps four weeks before COVID-19 hit our shore as well as the rest of the world. And during that time, I would imagine mental well-being or mental wellness is still quite a taboo subject. When you talk about mental health, people still have certain negative association to it. Yep. Has that improved as we are right now? Has uh, COVID or some other factors led to a better understanding as, as well as a better relation to what mental well-being is? It's a great, great question, Adrian. Compliments to you to pick up a soft point like that. When, we, when I started and in all the while that we were developing this, we didn't want to use the word mental health or mental well-being or many other things which we are very familiar with today and we are very confident of using that. So we were very conscious our marketing thought process, our you know smartness so to say said that oh we don't want to relate it to mental well-being. We were working on the philosophy of motivation, happiness, productivity in the work workplace which continues to be fundamental to what we are doing. The terminology and the communication was all around softer things. And part of our learning post-pandemic was that I think the market is ready to it the essence of what we are trying to do or what we need to do as a society, as a business, as an enterprise. It's basically mental health, take care of our mental well-being. So we converted many of those softer marketing words like motivation and stuff to something which we believe is what the world needs in this third year of the pandemic, which we are now calling as mental fitness. I think learning from the evolution of physical fitness and how you know the physical fitness has benefited us as as individuals as society in terms of health in terms of productivity in terms of feeling good looking good all those nice things prevention of diseases and all those nice things it's time that we realize that similar to physical fitness we need to take care of our mental fitness which will lead us to motivation at work which will lead us to productivity at work which will lead us to preventative solutions to avoid some of the mental illnesses and other issues you're spot on there that we ourselves were very scared that this is a taboo word and we have evolved along with the rest of the market and as with physical fitness of course there is something that they call the 10000 steps that you have to take per day yeah. And it's something that you guys have also is also riding on, and you have your own ten thousand steps version of mental fitness. Could you elaborate more on that? How did that come about, and how exactly uh, is that being consumed, or how does people actually activate or trigger their ten thousand mental steps? Sure, the inspiration in our design came in from what is that experience which kind of has triggered us to take care of a physical fitness on a day-to-day -day basis and making it very easy and simple and relatable as opposed to counting complex calories and complex many things. 10,000 steps is something you can just think of between work to office, between floors, walking for your lunch, etc. It becomes a behavior which weaves into your day-to-day -day work life. And that's the vision we want to achieve for mental fitness. And how we have how we have learned from this and the experience which we have created for joy, which is the mental fitness experience, is basically that we call it one to three. You need to take a moment every day at different parts of the day to reflect on what's your state of mind, because most of the times in our speed of things, uh, we don't even realize that what's happening to us. What's our state of mind? Like you ask the question, what's my state of mind? Is it eight or is it two? And if it is two, what is it that is bothering me? 
And if I realize what it's true and what's bothering me, many times the answer will probably already be there in my head. That this is what I need to do to correct it and bring it up to five, six, seven, eight. Or joy will come and prompt you to tell you, hey, this is the right behavior based on your input and your reflection, which will help you to turn around your negative state of mind to a positive and a productive state of mind. So that's the little experience. You take a moment to reflect. We, our AI understands what's the context of, of your mind and based on that context, what is the right behavioral action and the, and the response you should do, how you should behave. Once you do that, then you, we have a little gamification for you to say you've done uh, your 10,000 steps equivalent today. Go back and get some work done. So it's as simple as that. And just to continue on that. So this is that engagement part of the solution. To be able to make this on a behavioral everyday basis, we have created joy level is the equivalent. You know, when you talk of, when you take the inspiration from physical fitness, what's your unit of physical fitness? Are you physically fit or not? Other than looking at the mirror, you would probably stand on the weighing machine a few times a week. And that will tell you whether you're physically fit or not. It's the simplest way for you to assess your fitness. So we have created the weighing scale of mental well-being or mental fitness, which we are calling as the joy. In this experience of one to three, which I just told you, based on your state of mind, we will we have created we have calibrated a scale and it will give you a score of well-being. It's a personal benchmark. We don't need to compare this with the rest of the world, the rest of the people, because this is how your personal benchmark. And it's a day-to-day -day progression on this, how you are tracking your personal well-being of that. So that combination is is the mental fitness which we have brought to the market. And we just like uh, another example, there is the 10,000 steps. One of the success, one of the reasons why 10,000 steps is weaved into our day-to-day life is because it's available in and around you. It's there in your watch. It's there in your phone. It's there in many of the devices around you. So similar to that, we realized that to bring this mental fitness habit of joy uh, to everyone every day, we need to be present where the employees and the workforce spends most of the time. And as you can guess, there is no better platform than Microsoft Teams to weave Joy's mental fitness habit in Microsoft Teams. And we were very fortunate in January of 2021, we uh, pitched this to Microsoft and the first meeting itself, we got all the support which we needed and we spent most of the last year, 2021, working with Microsoft Labs to weave joy with the work patterns within the Microsoft Teams to bring this experience in front of you at the time when we sense that there is a high probability of emotional flux in a user's uh, work life based on your patterns in emails, chats, etc., calendars, etc. And while doing this, we don't go into the private space. We just look at the patterns. Uh, we don't read the sensitive data, so it's highly private. So making this combination, we bring in joy to you at the right time. And then you go inside, we provide you the right care, very contextually in an engaging and a habit forming way and helping you measure your joy level on a day to day basis as part of the whole. As a marketeer, I really like 10,000 mental steps because that's something I can relate to. Now, having said that, when I look at my physical 10,000 steps, especially on a regular day, at most I achieve about 7,000 plus. And if I'm working from home that day, from my bed to the dining table, probably less than 30 steps. <laughs> so 10,000 steps, physical steps, sounds very exhausting. Would it also be equally exhausting when it comes to mental steps? Interesting question. It's the analogy of the concept of 10,000 steps. We don't want people to take 10,000 mental steps. So, you know, that little exercise of reflecting and checking your mental joy level. And based on that, the suggestions we give and you acting on some of those suggestions is the equivalent of all the 10,000 steps. So it's as simple as that. 
can you give us some examples of the recommendation or nudges or, or instructions that Joy would possibly be giving out to the users? Sure, sure. We use a framework of emotions and behaviors, which basically constitute a holistic well-being. Many times we say, oh, I'm stressed and we go and address the stress. And we realized in our design thinking and talking to a lot of users in our focus groups that the solution might not lie in addressing the stress, but solution lies in addressing the trigger of the stress. The trigger of the stress could be low self-esteem. The trigger of the stress could be conflict. The trigger of the stress could be many such situations, right? So we have looked at uh, a few frameworks and we have adopted a combination of two frameworks. One is an emotional framework. One is a behavioral framework. The emotional framework is called Atlas of Emotions by Dalai Lama and Paul Ekman. And the framework for behavioral well-being is from University of Pennsylvania, Authentic Happiness by Martin Seligman. And we have merged these two frameworks and created around 15 clusters of day-to-day -day situations and triggers, which kind of create that emotional flux in our mind. And based, and I'll give you an example, one of, uh, one of the clusters is low self-image. The other cluster is conflict. So assuming based on your reflection, we uh, assess that the situation is low self-image, right? And the, and the nudges which will come in there is, as an example, is that think of that last time when you were very successful and think of what made you successful. And that kind of is an indication that if you've been successful in the past and you tune your mind to look at how you were successful and you can be successful, will bring you up from that low self-image situation to a high self-image situation. So that's an example of a nudge. If it's a conflict situation, the nudge, one of the possible nudges could be that, you know, pause on this and for a moment step into the other person's shoe who you fought with, so to say, or you're having conflict with and think his or her perspective as well. That thought is a very powerful behavioral thing. Other nudge could be that encourage you to apologize and patch up in a, in a office business environment. These are the kind of nudges which a trained people manager would coach the team with. Many times people are still doing it. Many times the remote working, hybrid working situation is weakening some of these kind of coaching opportunities, which might not be setting up a 30-minute video call, but it could have happened over the pantry machine, over a cup of coffee down in the cafeteria, which I think are missing. And the platform which we have created is very timely to fill in that void, especially in the hybrid workplace. Your description actually reminds me of uh, those movies that I've seen where the, the angel or the devil of the individual would appear. And in your case, of course, this sounds like the angel whispering into your ear, the right things, the positivity. But importantly, is to take stock of what you are doing, where you are, and perhaps also to see things from another perspective to create that balance in life. Exactly. Angel is a great word. You know, we've been using words like coaches, mentors, but I think angel is a great word. Thanks for that. Yeah, maybe you should consider that. I'll take my 10%. Sure. And I'm, I'm very certain from your expert viewpoint, having uh, seen so many instances at company level, individuals who may be suffering from mental stress and anxiety, you probably have seen a certain pattern on things that people are doing, perhaps unintentionally, that actually add to a lot more stress and anxiety in their life, especially given the burden as well as the responsibility of modern day. As you rightly mentioned earlier on, as a business leader, as a parent in a very fast moving, all this will come into play. But I think somehow as an individual, we also have to be accountable for some of the things that we may be doing 
too much of that also add to those stress. Based on your observation, are, are you seeing any things that people are constantly doing which isn't helpful for them at the mental well-being level and what are steps we can take to try to cap them down or try to reduce those action in order to maintain better mental well-being? It's an interesting question and I can answer this from my personal observations and experience point of view. I think a couple of things, many a times we let others dictate what and when and how much we should do with our lives or with our time. Example being many a times we let other people dictate when we should get, how we should manage our time, our schedule, our calendar, you know, our busyness, our outputs, all those things. But I think there are people who have built up a style of managing your own time more to your needs and your style than being driven by the circumstances, I should say. That doesn't mean that you don't work uh, when you don't feel like it. It doesn't mean that you're not productive. You have to develop a style uh, of managing your work life and your time in a way that is most suitable to your style and delivers the results which you're expected to deliver. So I think that is something which uh, we all need to continuously learn. Some people have mastered this very early. Some of us continue to learn along the way. That's one thing. And if, if you're able to do that, you are in control and you can manage your mental well-being as well as your productivity very effectively. The second thing which I, which I am very sure of is communication. Many a times we keep our problems in our own. We don't bring it out to our managers, our peers, our family, our friends. Because we think sharing problems is a weakness. Asking for help is a weakness. We will be judged. Right? I think that is something which we all need to realize as a society. It's not a weakness. This is part of our design. We as human beings are designed to have spirals of thinking. If it goes in the wrong spiral, you yourself might not be able to come off that spiral yourself. You need somebody to pull you out of that spiral. Right? It could be your parents. It could be your friend, brother. Uh, you know, mentor, whoever it is, and put you onto the right path. So I guess asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is a part of breathing and eating and many other things which we do on a day-to-day -day basis and we are not shy of that. I think asking for help and communicating your problems with others, trusted people, is as important. I think these are the two fundamental things which, which form the basis, which form the engine of taking care of our well-being. Do you think our Asian culture has a part to play in which we are a bit more shy about talking of such problems? Because if I look at the Western world, taking inference from movies, I've seen characters just talk about, oh, I just came from my therapy session. They're very open about that. But in our context, I, of course, witness parents, grandparents who are very stoic, very stern. They'll tell you don't cry as a kid. Men shouldn't have carry expression on their face. Would actually all those kind of parental experience have led us to how we treat and how we put all these issues that we're facing right now? Well, 100% culture, upbringing, connotations or taboos and all those things are fundamental to the mind, more to the mind than physical and many other things. So you're spot on there. And to your point, whether Asians are, so to say, more of this and Westerners are less of this, I think there are a lot of Western pockets of cultures or cultures in pockets in Western world as well which are very conservative, which are very family-oriented, very close to the, to the Asian phenomenon. The same problems appear there also. I was talking to someone who comes from an Irish background and the kind of examples she was giving in terms of the taboos around mental well-being in the Irish culture 
sounded worse than the Asian culture as you and I am talking. So I guess uh, there is a fair amount of universality there. So the point I'm headed to is, I think it's basically the adoption curve, if I may say, or the learning curve. So there are some pockets in the Western world, the Americas, the United uh, Kingdoms, you know, some of the urban areas where therapies and communication and these these kind of solutions are now vocal and the stigma is going away from it. So I guess they are probably a couple of years, if I may say, ahead of a phenomena which will happen in Asia also. If we already see this in Singapore, there are so many therapy solutions, there are so many therapists. LinkedIn is full of people talking about their problems or helping other people. So I guess it's a learning curve which has a little lag in certain pockets in the West versus in Asia, but it's coming here as well. And on behalf of all the uh, 250 million users of Microsoft Teams globally, I thank you on their behalf for helping them better manage their mental wealth through Microsoft Teams. However, for many others that may not be on Microsoft Teams or using some other instant messaging apps or maybe just looking at using email communication as uh, their uh, catch-all communication, how would they be able to assess the benefits of a platform? I think as of now, we have a lot to do and achieve with current partnership with Microsoft. So I would encourage, first of all, the people uh, on Microsoft Teams enterprises to take the steps of bringing mental fitness through Microsoft Teams to their employees. That itself is a big task ahead of us for coming months. And as we progress, there are two paths for the rest of the world to use this. You know, One is they should start using Microsoft Teams if they're not using it. And the other alternative is we will gain, we will learn more as we go and see how we can serve rest of the market as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And before we end this conversation, where can people find out more about Join? Our website is joy.ai, www.joye.ai. There is a pretty decent information which we have put online. So we'll encourage you to go do that. We have also made the experience of Joy Live available with the Gmail access for 30 days for people who have not subscribed through Teams or cannot use Teams as yet. You can just go in through the website, click on the live button, sign in with Gmail. It won't give you the timely notifications. It won't have many of the features which are available through Microsoft Teams. So you can go in and check your Joy level every other day for the next 30 days at no charge. I'll try that right after our conversation today. Thank you so much for making time and to sharing with us all the benefits and the things, wonderful things that Joy is bringing to the world through Microsoft Teams in trying to help people integrate mental well-being behavior into their frantic digital lifestyle. Once again, Sanjeev, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you, Adrian. It was wonderful talking to you and let's make 2022 the year of mental fitness. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.